It's week four of Story Garden Pod, and I am your host and story gardener, Megan Lang. I want to go ahead and apologize in advance for some interesting audio this week due to my cat's inclination to getting on my desk and rubbing his face on our mic cables. While it's mostly not an issue, you may hear a noise or two that can be attributed to Gus being exactly what he is, a very mischievous cat. I also want to give a content warning that this week we will be discussing alcoholism and sobriety in the third story. If you're not in a place to listen to this, I'll include a timestamp in the show description, so please feel free to skip it. With that being covered, y'all are in for a treat. This week, I am tickled pink to welcome my friend Michelle Harbin to the Story Garden. Michelle and I first connected online, but found we had a vast community of mutual friends, and she has since become one of my biggest cheerleaders and a friend that I am deeply grateful for. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us in the Story Garden. Michelle Harmon. Basically a Sumner County native, mm-hmm. um, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. mother, accidental entrepreneur. Okay. Let's, it's like accidental mother? Let's say that. Um, no, the mother was yes. very much on purpose. Good, good, okay. Um, very much on purpose, um, although it wasn't to society's standards on purpose, okay, because I was 34 and 38 when I had my kids. So that's not the norm. No. Um, which we'll talk about that in my story. Okay, good. My, stories, my mom actually. was 35 and 38. Yes. So. so basically I own a health and wellness company. Um, it started with a brand of elderberry products. Mm-hmm. And then we got bees. So we have a small apiary. And then we have honeybee products. And then I opened a farm-to-table grocery store for a couple of years, yep. closed that down, and I'm basically back to where I started four or five years ago in my entrepreneurial journey, which is odd, but also kind of comforting to get yeah. back to back to home and yeah. back to where I started. I'm a certified nutrition coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't take clients per se where I'm just going to write you a meal plan or anything like that. But I use that certification to build trust and yeah. share information and inspire people. So. Which you do very well. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to get back to that. And as I grow Harbin Hollow again, whatever it looks like, that's what I'm doing moving forward is I'm going to share the things that work for me and give people access to that and basically come from more of a teaching perspective and saying hey this is what i'm doing these are the brands i believe in this is also my brand that i clearly believe in and and use it as more of a teaching tool versus a sales tool (laughs) i okay i love this so today my stories like i was inspired by cole on a previous episode the way he wove all his stories yes. into one, and he yes. had a common theme. And I was like, I want to do that with my stories. And so he inspired me to do that. So thank you, Cole. Um, <laughs> but basically, the theme of today's talk and the weaving of the stories is interconnectedness and trusting the process. Because when we let go, uh, I get teary-eyed. You're going to yeah. see. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to cry on the pod. This is what I do. Um 
when we trust the process and we let go and all those things that we thought we needed. Yeah. Needed. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die if I don't have that. When you take a step back and you're like, oh, wait a second, maybe I don't need that. It would be nice if. Yeah. What would happen if I had this thing and you learn to depend on yourself rather than waiting for the happiness of this thing, life changes. Yes. And I am in, and and Megan, you know this very well, Uh I've been in a deep, in the deep throes of depression for about a year, over a year probably. And it's because I've been forcing things and I've been trying to control and not letting go and whether you believe in God or just a creator or astrology or the Enneagram or whatever whatever yeah. it is you believe in something yeah somebody you believe in something yes I want to read you a quote really fast okay um and I can't tell you who said it because it was at Nubia and I last week went to we rise women on the hill and one of the speakers said this and um it just feels very relevant um and i wish i could i wish i'd written down who said it but they said your bold truth will let others be confident in their secrets vulnerability heals Mm -hmm. right and if if you've read anything by brene brown Mm -hmm. or if you have ever shared a story of trauma or you had a best friend whose parents were getting divorced at the same time of yours or whatever. When y'all share these things. When you have a last day of something that lands on the same day as someone else. Like, gosh, I love But that. yeah, I, I just wanted to talk about today, like, what happens when we let go? Yeah. Because I'm really bad at it. Like, uh-huh. really bad at it. Yeah. And I know to let go and let whatever happen, happen. Yeah. But I still don't do it. Right. And that's hard. And I think so many people struggle with that. And some of it is societal norms. Yep. It's International Women Day. Yes, it is. So a lot of those are pressures, like we were talking about with kids. So the first story, can I just transition into that? Go ahead and and jump in. My first story is my love story. So we're going to rewind to almost 20 years ago. And at that time, I had, I had had so many boyfriends, and I had lived with some. Some of them were great to me. Yeah. Some of them were horrible. Some were narcissistic. Some of them were verbally abusive. No one sexually or, or physically abused me. Right. I was not like in harm's way per se, but mentally I was. Yeah, yeah. And I would go back and sometimes I just had a relationship for the sake of having a relationship. Because yep, it felt and it was like yeah. Valentine's Day is coming up and I wanna I wanna have some roses from someone. I don't really care who <laughs> yeah. they're from. So my my love story, it's like two thousand four mm-hmm. and I'm finally to the point where I don't need a man. I'm living by myself. I'm in junior college. I always joke because it took me 10 years to get my two-year degree (laughs) still awake from the night before going to class like bartending till 3 a.m and going to college during the day but the thing is it's like i started reading books like do you remember you may not remember this it was um he's just not that into you yes 
Game changer. He was on Oprah. I would watch Oprah every single day. And this guy came on and he was like, well, if he's not doing this, then he's just not that into you. And I'm like, look at all this time I've wasted. Like, why didn't I have this book 10 years ago? This would have been great, you know? And so all of these strings of toxic relationships, wild and partying was part of it. Some of them were, like I said, emotionally abusive. Yep narcissism mm. relationships for the sake of having relationships because i didn't know how to be alone yeah you know and you're you're an extrovert big time <laughs> shocking and the thing is is one of my major coping mechanisms as a child was busyness yes i'm a puppet look at me look at yep. my grades look at this lead role look at this dance recital like i'm fine barbie Everything, in a box everything's fine and the thing is, mm. I was not. And there right. were a lot of warning signs. There yeah. were a lot of warning signs. But the guidance counselors in the 80s and the 90s, as long as your grades are fine and you're performing well and all that, you're fine. You're not. I was I was undiagnosed depressed in high school. There was it just. Yeah. And then, when you look like you're doing really well, people take that at face value and they're not going to be like, oh. And they do. They grade it on your grades and your extracurricular activities. And And if you have friends and how you're like. like Seriously. The stuff that I did. Yeah. And are you signing up to help decorate the school dance? All of it. You're doing too many things. To disconnect from the real problem. And now now we know this. Right. And so I can instill these values in my kids and I can be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Lila, you're like me. Yep. You don't need to do 10 things. Let's pick three. And then you're going to have downtime and we're going to process some things in your downtime. And that's just a whole different way of thinking. Yeah. But so when I least expect it, so I have this like year, no boyfriend. I'm bartending at Calhoun's in Rivergate. Of course. And my... Well, my future husband, I didn't know he's going to be my future husband. He comes in, he sits at the bar, he's meeting his friend Chad there. He lives in California at the time. He meets Chad, whose Chad, okay. wife, also named Michelle, Michelle with one L, mind you. That's kind of right? rare. So we bartend together every Friday night, yeah. and he's meeting Chad there, and so I he beats Chad <laughs> there. Oh my and gosh, he, my animals today are They're, really... I'm like, just bringing out the best of This them. is brilliant. So anyway, so Ronnie comes in, he sits in my bar. I'm the I'm the early out, so I'm there first. I serve him a beer. We get to talking, no big deal. I'm supposed to leave the next morning to go to a summer camp. Jerry's okay. Kid, Muscle Dystrophy Association. Mm-hmm. We've all seen Jerry's Kids telethons, yep. right? And I had a group of friends. They'd been volunteering there for years, and I was like, I want to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I helped with special ed when I was in school. Yeah. I was like, I will gladly give up a week of my life. Let me go to this Uh with y'all. So I sign up. Turns out Ronnie had flown in town from California to go to this camp. Are you kidding? He had been going to this camp for 10 years. And he came home every summer from California to volunteer at this camp. So he's there. We have all these mutual friends. We start talking. Then we go to camp for a week. It's a camp romance. So we we start dating at camp. Our first kiss was we're on the back of a jet ski, and he purposely throws me in the water, and then has to rescue me and kiss me. 
Are you kidding? It's like Ronnie. a freaking movie. Stop! And okay. it okay. all happened when I let go of control of what is supposed to happen in my love life. That's amazing. But that is the story. And so I went there. I've taken the kids to camp. And so we're overlooking this cove where he did. And I was like, that's where daddy threw me in and kissed me. And Cooper's like, why would he do that? <laughs> like, he did it on purpose. But <laughs> he was like, daddy, we got that home later. And he's like, daddy, why did you throw mama in the lake? <laughs> but that's the whole thing. You know, it was like. That, I wasn't looking. Right. Who thinks when you volunteer at a camp for kids with muscular dystrophy that you're going to find the love of your life? No. No one. And then... Especially the fact that you met him at while you were working. Like, the night before, like, he popped in there, right? Like, I didn't just meet him at camp. He was already because there. Because that made a connection from... Mm. The other thing is, is he lived in California and I lived here, okay? And so for two years we dated long distance and it forced us to get to know each other on a whole different level. Yeah. And we were forced to build this relationship with seeing each other every couple of months, That's talking amazing. on the phone daily with time changes. Yeah. Well, and, and when was this? 2005? 2005. 2005. So, like, text messages cost could... 25 cents each. <laughs> so you could text, but yep. you probably but we were, really. like, emailing instead, like, we emailed, and then he would, like, I lived with my sister at the time, and he, he would send random gifts, and, like, one time I made a comment Aww. that I loved um, the Planner's Cheese Balls, yeah. which they've come back now, but at the time they weren't making them, but he found the Utz Cheese Balls. Like oh, my gosh. Of course bigger, he did. And he sent to huge, <laughs> I'm talking about I'm half my body <laughs> size of cheese balls. He sent you all these cheese balls. Like... That, to me, is amazing and ridiculous. Like an iPod that was engraved. Like, we had fun giving gifts. Like, you know, Apple oh, yeah, I know. But that was one of those things I totally let go. I let the universe, the creator, whatever, take control of yeah. it. And then when you least expect it, and good well, things happen. That's a great time to segue. Um, my first comment is I forgot to tell you about your drink. So, we did a mocktail. And um, it is lemon zest le croix, which is, you know, le croix. It's muddled kiwi with a little bit of honey muddled with kiwi and lavender bitters. And then... Your um, violet syrup. Yes. So I make make a violet simple syrup every year. I crawl around in my backyard um, and pick all the wild violets. Like a lot of wild violets. It and takes I turn a lot. them into a tea. It does. I turn them into a tea and then I make simple syrup and I'm really picky about who I share it with. Well, thank it you. takes so much work. But um, And I shared with you that during the pandemic I took I picked a yep. bunch of violets and I crystallized crystallized them, them like bakers do for it takes cakes. So much work, but also you're you're kinda like a wild violet. Hmm. you're resilient you'll pop back up wherever you are like my whole backyard is full of them and they're so yeah. pretty they're so pretty and the bees like they're them. one of the first things that comes out in the spring just like you clambering out of i the noticed some hole. yesterday in my they're they're one of my favorite flowers and that is so anyway 
Well, it's I delicious. I just wanted to use it. And, and uh, you did beautiful. And yeah. mocktails are my fave. Okay. But anyway, so story two. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of talking about interconnectedness yes. and trusting the process. And you're going to love this. So fast forward, I'm Mary Ronnie, you know, and I get yep. your bachelor's and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go. Work in corporate marketing because I got this communications degree. Oh my gosh, nine to five. Could not do it. You know, the whole, okay, well, it's 3 a.m. Uh, 3 p.m. on a Friday and you're done with all your work, but look busy till five. You got to stay. And no. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just because I'm more efficient than everyone else doesn't mean I need to be tied to this desk. I'm out. Like, I can't. I cannot. Right? You're correct. And I'm already doing more than everybody else anyways, yes. in my mind. Maybe mm, I wasn't. No, I mean, you're pretty damn efficient, so. I mean, and and I don't like to look busy. I'm busy. I'm you already are busy. I'm you already are busy. busy. When you're not being busy, it's because you're purposefully done with all the things that you've already been busy with. Right. Yes. So I quit my corporate job. At that time, I had gone, um, I had left the restaurant business. I go and I take this corporate job. It was at Shoney's, but it got increasingly hard to market Shoney's. Um, Mm -hmm. It was very fun. I would take the mascot out. That was kind of cool, but I was miserable. Right. And I was like, if I can't do it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to quit this job. I'm going to go back to school. I decided to go to grad school. So I got into grad school and I do it all online at Austin P. And then you have to do a thesis. So you have to do this research paper. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what this research paper is going to be on. Well, Facebook has just started. Oh. And I'm like, okay, I'm a corporate comm major. It's going to have to be around Facebook, right? So I write my paper. The title of it is... Is this your paper? This is my paper. You can have this copy. It's not formatted exactly right That's because, okay, because Word, it was, Word yes. like switched it, but this is the actual thing, like with the surveys and everything in it. Oh, I'm it. so excited. <laughs> okay. It's so nerdy. Okay, yeah, but... But the, here's the title. How college students are using Facebook to increase their social capital. I finally published this in its entirety on March 29th, 2011. Very close to 12 years yes, ago. Yes, and like, when I started it... Facebook was barely open to the public. Right. So this story is applicable to nearly all of us and follows the theme of this pod interview as nothing is left to chance. Mm. I truly believe everything happens for a reason and that we are all interconnected. So the definition of social capital. Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you ever studied social capital or known anything? So I learned about this in communication class and I was instantly drawn to this, right? So it was first written over a hundred years ago, 1916, by a man named L.G. Hannafan. And that's a name. Hannafan. I know, right? And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> Doesn't even matter. I just love the but name. But anyways, here is... So it, it goes back to the principle of it's not what you know, it's who you know. Because there's plenty of people that are not very intelligent, but they have friends in all the right places that help them out, right? Ooh. We know this. Oh, Michelle. We know this, right? <laughs> so here is Hannafan, Hannafan, however you say it. Here is his definition, definition of social capital. I do not refer to real estate or to personal property or to cash, 
but rather to that in life which tends to make these tangible substances count for most in the daily lives of people, namely goodwill, mm. fellowship, mm. sympathy, and social intercourse among the individuals and families who make up a social unit. The individual is helpless socially if left to himself. Hmm. If he comes into contact with his neighbor and they with other neighbors, there will be an accumulation of social capital, which may immediately satisfy his social needs and which may bear a social potentially sufficient to the substantial improvement of living conditions in the whole community. The community as a whole will benefit by the cooperation of all its parts, while the individual will find in his associations the advantages of the help, the sympathy, and the fellowship of his neighbors. So, how has social media changed that for us? Mm. It's unreal. It has vast positive effects in that way. Now... Do we have a negative one? Yes, 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 yes. But we're not going to talk about that today. Basically, by increasing the size of one's social network, relationships will be formed that can lead to the acquisition of tangible and intangible things throughout our lives. And some of them you'll be able to reach out and touch and be like, you know what? I was given this gift by this person because I knew them. So I have three very simple examples of Social media increasing my social capital. Okay. So the first thing was, is when I was writing this paper, Mm -hmm. like having to prove that Facebook in particular increases our social capital. Right. I did a little experiment and our lawnmower broke. And I was like, I need a new lawnmower. (laughs) I posted on Facebook that I needed a new lawnmower, Mm -hmm. thinking, oh, I'm going to get a good deal. Someone gave me a Ryan lawnmower. They gave it to you? Gave it to me. Congratulations. Gave it to me. Maybe I poured them a stiff drink at Anchor High at some point. I don't know. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, another fun thing about social media. And so, this happened just like a year ago. And I got called for jury duty. And I'm like, okay, fine. And everybody's like, you're going to be a great juror. And I'm like, Oh, I remember. I think I've heard this before. Okay, so I accept the jury duty. It happens at like 3 p.m. on a Thursday afternoon or something. And they're like, you have to report the next morning at 8.30 a.m. And I'm like, okay, fine. So 3 p.m., I'm going into an elementary school to give a honeybee, um, like, talk to this after-school program. And um, while I'm in there, Cooper's school calls and says he's sick. Yep. Which means he can't go to school the next day. Ronnie, of course, is out of town. And I'm like, okay, you that office is, them. I can't call them. You're supposed to what's be there gonna, when they open. And Are you going to be fine? Yeah, yeah, so what's going to happen? So, of course, I post this on social media, and I'm like, what's going to happen? Am I going to jail? Like, yada, yada. Somebody on my Facebook page. She's the cleaner okay. for the Sumner County, whatever the it is, the judicial, clerk yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it yes, is. Yes, yes, yes. Um, she cleans that office. Yes. And she screenshotted my message, sent it to the clerk, and says, hey, this is my friend, this is what's going on, and she said, please message her back and tell her she's dismissed, and I got out of jury duty, and that's all on Facebook. Yeah. 
I remember that. I remember that. And that's 100% social capital of who you know. Yeah. And then the last thing is I, I've shared this with Megan and I have to share it just because it's one of those things where we have to overcome our differences and we just have to be like, you know what? Sometimes it is who you know. Yeah. And I was in a pickle not too long ago with mm-hmm. the Tennessee State Department of Revenue. I didn't know how to get out of it. And my husband was like, Michelle, you know so many people. Why do you not call someone? Like, you've got to know someone at the state. So I did. I called my state representative. And if anyone that's listening lives in Tennessee, they know I do not agree with the vast majority of Tennessee state legislatures. But I do know them. And I do email them. And I do have conversations with them. And I try to be civil with them. Yes. And I called my state legislator and I was like, I need help. He said, I know we don't agree on a lot of things. He was, but like socially, we work together on a lot of things. Yes. And I'm still your state rep. He made a phone call. It wasn't his phone call that got me out of this pickle. It was literally like a computer glitch that could be overcome. Right. But he helped me get there and I was able to use who I know to get there. And sometimes, like Garth Brooks. Yeah. Friends in low places. Friends in high places, like, you never that, know. But there, there are certain times that you just keep people in your pocket. And I have, like, my siblings, they, they take themselves off Facebook. They're like, oh, I can't be on there. And I'm like, okay. huh, I could never not I'm be on Facebook, Facebook because <laughs> I, am still I use friend. it to my advantage. Yes. And they're like, how do you talk to these people? How do you deal with these people? How do you argue with these people? And I'm like. I unfollowed them. I well, yep. And I know that if they don't want to see what I post, they'll unfollow me. And also, I, I try there to believe has in the been, of people. Now, I'll tell you, I got completely burned out. And you, since you and I have gotten really mm-hmm. close, you don't see a lot of political posts from me. Right. Four to six years ago, that was totally different. I believe this. And I had a lot of tough conversations online with people. And I want to come from a place of understanding. Not that I'm trying to change your mind. Not that you're going to change my mind. But I want to know why. And I'm one of those. And that's the same thing with raising my kids, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When Lila looks at me and says, why, I have to tell her. I cannot say because I said so. Yes. Well, and, oh, man. Because I said so doesn't get us anywhere. I have had so many conversations recently about this, too, about trying to remember that people are human, and if they hold a belief, there is a reason for that belief. And you know so, what I found? What? Most of the time, the beliefs don't change because they don't leave where they started. Yes. You don't pop your bubble. Right. And so if you're not... And and the bubble could be as simple as having as a going conversation. on Ball State... And taking a world history class. It could be, or like Cole said, read a Western Civ book. And exactly. Then read, but but it could be as simple as meeting someone for coffee. Like, I've gotten coffee a lot recently with people as we, you know, Jason, 100 cups of coffee. And I a lot of people, I'll be like, listen, I'm just going to be really upfront because we're in a red county in a red state. And I am not. Not. <laughs> but like, I... I have friends who are not blue. I have friends that are purple. I have friends that are middle ground conservative. When I was bartending? Yeah. Okay, everyone says, no God, no politics at the bar. Bullshit. Well, it's everywhere. I had had these conversations and they were perfectly fine. Because 
And back then, yes. though, it wasn't polarized like it was now. Like, oh man, <laughs> so, like if I were a Bama fan, my oh. yeah. But listen, Bama fans, I have nothing against you. Just to be clear, are you UT, are you a Bama fan? No, I'm Auburn. Oh, okay. And you're a UT? I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah. yeah so guess, you don't mind like, Auburn? Kind of. You don't mind I, Auburn? Like I don't you do really mind any of them. I, like, <laughs> I like the Lady Vols because of Pat Head oh, Summit. Yes. And that is that is my sports opinion. Pat Head Summit. Yep. She changed the world. Like, anyway. So, okay. Social capital. <sighs> and then next, so the final story. We're going to go into the health and wellness Um journey that ultimately led to sobriety that led to my business that's in health and wellness my yes. company yes all by accident because at some point i relinquished control and basically in i had my first child in 2013 mm-hmm. i was 34 i was not in a good place health-wise i was overweight i was drinking a lot I was working too much, several jobs, working in the events industry. Mm. So I have Lila. I immediately get gestational diabetes or what we think is gestational diabetes. Right. So this is a bond Megan and I have. Yes, Because she's type 1. But they think it's (laughs) gestational. But then it does not revert back properly after Mm. I have the child. So we're like, what's going on? Something autoimmune. I have high blood pressure too. I get hospitalized with Lila. She comes five weeks early. I basically almost have her on the side of the road. It's like seven something in the morning. What? On her birthday, which was July 18th, 2013. It's like a Thursday or something. And it was rush hour traffic. We're coming from Gallatin. My water breaks. And I'm like, I think we need to go to the hospital. And so we, I'm delivering. At, it was still Baptist Hospital at the time. It's now St. Thomas. They were uh-huh. literally changing the signs over to the new Ooh. ownership. Uh-huh. That we, we pull over. It's like Trinity Lane on 65. And I, I joked Lala. I was like, your name was almost Trinity Lane and not Lala Jane. Oh, my God. Like, mm. she came out guns a-blazing. Yeah, she did. Yes. She guns, still is. She is, like... Guns a-blazing. <laughs> so, we're doing, like, 10 days in the NICU. She's got to do the bilirubin light. She's got holes in her heart. Oh we see cardiologists for a while. Wow. Like, all kinds of wild things. But the thing is, is, like, ultimately, because I was 34 and it triggered mm-hmm. early onset... Latent autoimmune diabetes in in adults, my high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Everything. It was basically. It was the autoimmune response. Had I had her 10 years earlier, my body probably wouldn't have reacted that way. And I would have had all these things anyways. But because it happened in my 30s. It was was just like, I was given this time to correct these things and it's like now looking back it's like oh my gosh so it was a good thing it was i mean it was but yeah no it's a good thing because high blood pressure a lot of diabetes high cholesterol hypothyroidism i was miserable ronnie was back traveling all the time i had lila take care of i was working in the events industry, and I was just miserable. Which is hard in general. I did my first, like, three-week workout. Um, it was through Beachbody, 21-day fix, and I reluctantly 
signed up to be a beach body coach, which is selling Shakeology and building a team, multi-level marketing. We all know what multi-level, multi-level right. marketing's hard. And so I became a certified nutrition coach. And by the time a couple years rolled around 2015, Lila was almost two. And when, by the end of the year of 2015, um, I had a major incident with my drinking. Like, I was driving, she was in the car, there's an accident, luckily I didn't get arrested, but the car was wrecked, and I had her with me. It was me. like a... And it was like, something has got to give. And so I instantly became sober that day. I went to bed that night, and I had not told Ronnie that I was drinking, and went to bed just gonna let it all lie like I had so many times before and I woke up in the middle of the night literally on my knees and I was like I Mm. cannot keep doing this like I need help yeah Yeah. my mom was a minister at the time at a Methodist church um in Nashville the next morning I got up I remember going to her parish you know and and praying with her and like I can get through this I know I can get yeah 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 and I never was as public as I wanted to be about my sobriety and like there is something about calling yourself sober that's hard yeah because that means oh my god it's almost like putting a perfection stamp on you Mm. and people's definition of sobriety is different so does that mean if I'm sober maybe does that mean I'm not drinking alcohol or I'm not smoking weed or I'm not taking a CBD gummy or I'm not being prescribed anything from my doctor like what is sober I think it's a very dangerous term yes in March of 2020 I the rest I felt it coming yep I felt it coming and this was like three or four days before the shutdown and I drove myself to the liquor store and I bought airplane bottles of fireball good bottle I had not (laughs) drank in four and a half years. Fireball? So to think that I could even handle this. Okay. And why was that the choice? So of course I get busted because I'm hammered. Oh. And and so it's like it starts over. And according to AA culture, what is it? Oh, you have to start back. Day one, back. you got to start over. And I'm like, you know what? I'm changing the narrative. Good. And I had my Healthy in the Hollow group, which you're part of now. Mm -hmm. It's got over 800 members now. And your posts are inspiring. And I posted in there, and I went live, and I cried in that group. And I was like, you know what? One day out of over 1,600 or whatever the number was does not mean you start back at day one. No. No. That is not what that means. Because you've also had a whole mindset change. Big time. And it was a traumatic time in the world. Well, and at that time, I was in I a was dark place. Sober. Yes. I was completely sober. There yep. was no no, no CBD. There was no weed gummies in my house. I didn't have, I had nothing. I had nothing. Yeah. No. There was no coping mechanism. None. Aside from like exercise. Busyness. And, and then there's busy. lockdown. And yes. you can't be busy. Yep. And yes. I knew that was coming. And Harbin Hollow, we had done, like, we started in 2019, the first three months, or the first two and a half months, I did the revenue, I did the entire first year in business, which was $50,000, and I did that in 10 weeks of 2020. (laughs) Of course you did. And I was completely stretched thin, 
Ronnie's traveling. And so I'm like, we're not having any money. You know, you don't know What's gonna because happen? we're in a pandemic. And because I had been doing oh so gosh. well with my mental health, but I was coping with busyness. Yes. 100%. And I was not coping with anything else. Mm. It was extreme workouts. Yep. It was extreme nutrition plans. It was over-the-top busyness and growing this business and yada, yada, yada. There was was no balance. None. None. And everything was reactive. Yep. Nothing was proactive. And it was just eye-opening to think that all of that mental health hung in the balance and was so delicate. You know, mm-hmm. and so now I know, like, I've got tools in my toolbox. Yep. I, I guess the point is, like, everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. And if you have an addictive personality, that may not be something you can do. Which I do. Yeah. And well, I've had to be very mindful of you, that. But you And are. it may be, now we're realizing it may be ADHD. Yes. And so, I'm going to be so interested. Yeah, so April 4th is my consult, and then I don't know when the testing will be. But even this last psychiatry appointment, I asked my psychiatrist, I said, why am I always in need of controlling my brain? Like, if I'm feeling depressed, I feel like mm-hmm. I need to meditate or work out or take a pill. Or if I'm feeling happy, I feel like I'm feeling too happy. I need to calm down. Like, why am I always needing... She was like, it sounds like it may be ADHD. Like, you yes. can't calm your brain. I'm going to be shocked if I'm not diagnosed. Me too. Which, so are my doctors. Um, you remind me so much of Nick. And both of my is. brothers yes. have been recently diagnosed. It's just going to explain a lot of things, and I think it's going to allow me to let go of some guilt. Well, you may not be able to fix it, but at least you won't feel like... Like, why am I bad? Like, why am I the one that can't stop after a half a bottle of wine? Like, why would I ever cork a bottle of wine? It's like me. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's like me, though, being like, I would get frustrated that I couldn't get out of bed. And it's like, well, you're clinically depressed, and diabetics are three times more likely to be clinically depressed. So, of course, you're going to have sometimes a struggle to get out of bed. I still have days where it's like I'm having a hard hard brain day, but most of the time my meds work. Mm-hmm. Harder in winter, but we're getting to the point where we're seeing like I have daffodils outside and wild violets and my tulip leaves are coming. Iris, like things are coming. I'm so excited. But it's just so crazy that no one teaches us that. Right. No one tells you that. You're drinking more in the winter because of seasonal depression. Like, that that wasn't a thing so, until about 10 years ago to me. But I, and it it wasn't. And I think that we're watching as generations, it, like, every 10 Go years, there's a shift. Therapy because, and whatever. Yeah, I don't know if my mom would have considered therapy ever. Like, I don't know if her mom would have considered therapy. But I'm like, therapy is king. Like, gimme, gimme. But yeah, that, that whole health and fitness journey... Led to me becoming a nutrition coach. I could never monetize that. It ultimately led to sobriety. And then when I decided I couldn't make any money as a nutrition coach, like I tried it for a couple years at home. Cooper was an infant. I was going to pre-K. I had quit working in events. And I was like, okay, it was my 40th birthday. And I was like, I'll figure out what I want to be when I grow up when Lila starts kindergarten. 
and mm-hmm. Ronnie was like, it's fine. Like, we're okay. Just yeah. take another year with the kids. Yep. And so I did, and once I made that decision, like, okay, I'm going to let go, oh. two months later, I was still running my nutrition coaching blog. That's where I shared my recipe for elderberry syrup. And it all kind of And I reluctantly place. started selling it. I was not going to sell it. Yeah. And all wow. my mom friends were like, sell it, sell it, sell it. And that's how Harbin Hollow was born. Once I said, okay, okay I'm forcing this nutrition coaching thing. It's not going to work. But I enjoy doing this part of it. So I'm going to continue to do this yes. part of it. Yes. And I continued to do that out of joy. Yeah. And that's when Harbin Hollow was oh born. Oh my gosh, Michelle. My timing to start a small business in 2019 could not have been worse. Mm-hmm. But, goodness gracious, I have the best MBA you would ever be able to purchase. Mm-hmm. I haven't even paid off my other master's degree. <laughs> Which is corporate com. That's applicable anywhere. Okay, I have a weird question for you. I told you, you're oh, yeah. a wild violet. I've that's already told my, you this. That's um, flower, yeah. I would like to know... What social media platform would I be? What would you be? Yes. Oh. Oh. Oh, my goodness. This this falls in line? This totally falls in line. Can it be a portion of it? Sure. It would yeah. be Instagram Reels. I like, I've made like 10. They're all about fish. I think that's no, it. No, you would be Instagram Reels. Well, we're real smart. I think we're done. So why don't you say? Thank you for joining us for episode four of Story Garden Pod. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll subscribe and follow along as we dig into a new set of stories each episode. Coming up on March 31st, we'll be hearing from Gallatin lifestyle owner Nicole Bell. Special thanks goes out to musicians Joseph Wandis IV, better known as J4, and Elena Gentleman, for use of their song, Stay With Me, which can be found on streaming platforms or by visiting j4sings.com. You can also connect with them on Instagram or Facebook. Ready to connect with Michelle and Harbin Hollow? Visit harbinhollow.com or find them on your social media platforms. To support Story Garden Pod financially, become a Patreon supporter by visiting patreon.com backslash storygardenpod. Finally, did you like today's episode? If so, leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your reviews will help us reach a wider audience, share more stories, and build an even stronger community. Again, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the garden. Mm-hmm.